0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place, customizable sections and personalized alerts, stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very well welcome to Scorebox. These are your headlines. Fears over the coronavirus sending stocks in Hong Kong sharply lower pushing them into correction territory and catching up with the global sell-off after the Lunar New Year break. The death toll from the outbreak rises above 130, whilst nearly 1,500 new cases are confirmed in a day. But the Chinese president, Xi Jinping, calls on the country to strengthen its resolve. As long as we strengthen our confidence, help each other, adopt scientific prevention and containment measures, and persist in precise policies, we will definitely win the battle against the outbreak.
1: A record-setting quarter for Apple sends shares higher in extended trade as the tech titan beats profits and revenue forecasts, but warns it's closely monitoring the spread and impact of the coronavirus lvmh sees hong kong sales plunge 40 percent in the fourth quarter but manages to pose to record revenues for 2019 as the french luxury group closes stores amid the virus outbreak
0: and a very good morning everybody from madrid the spanish banking giant santander reporting record revenues this hour and increasing the cash element of the dividend. The bank being helped by a strong performance on the top and bottom line in the Americas. We're going to talk with Chairman Anna Butin at 10CET. A warm welcome to the show, everybody. Plenty of news throughout the show on the developments in the coronavirus. But first, we're going to stick to uh, some big earnings due out. You heard Jeff there talking about Santander. Um, I'm focusing now on Novartis. Um, Novartis stock, which has had a very strong run-up. Uh, over the last 12 months or so. A year ago, trading 73.6 Swissy. As you can see now, virtually trading uh, very close to that 94 Swiss franc high, uh, which it hit back in July. The stock trades at about a 3.2% dividend yield on 16 times forward. But the company has, in terms of dividend, announced today that they would be increasing that dividend uh, by 4% proposed for the latest period as well. Margin expansion and breakthrough innovation. Um, They are talking about strong revenue sales, uh, delivered strong sales growth, Uh, full year net sales from continuing operations up 9%, operating income on a core two basis up 17%. Uh, net income from continuing operations declined 44% due to the one time net gain from the sale of OTC JV in the prior year. Um, that is the broad blush on this. But the stock, of course, as I say, by and large trading pretty near its 52-week highs. Uh, does it deserve to be traded now? I know for a fact that the brokers absolutely love this one. Strong buyers and buyers, 18, only three sellers out there. Let's get to Juliana, who can give us some more detail on the company and its transformation. Juliana.
2: Thank you so much, Steve. So 2019 was a solid year for Novartis. And those numbers that you just brought us, Steve, suggest that they rounded out the year on solid footing. A Margin expansion has been one of Vasnera Simmons' key goals. And as you just pointed out there, they saw strong sales growth, margin expansion, as well as a number of breakthroughs on the innovation front throughout the year. They namely launched their gene therapy drug Zolgensma last year, which was the world's most expensive drug that's a $2.1 million price tag for this one-off treatment, but it's representative of the focus of Novartis. They've been shifting away from uh, being you know, a general pharmaceutical company to one that's very specialized in high-tech innovation. They also just completed a near $10 billion acquisition of the medicines company that was just earlier this year, and the prime drug there is this injectable uh, cholesterol-lowering drug. So again, they're moving into their innovative medicines business, and they've divested a number of their non-core businesses as part of that. Now, moving forward for the analyst and investor community, the question is how successful the drugs in their pipeline will actually be. And at the same time, what will the pace of erosion look like from the entrance of generics for their top selling drugs? Now, compared to some other pharmaceutical companies, Novartis has a suite of different drugs. They're not overly reliant on one or two drugs. So that is part of what has given investors uh, a lot of confidence in this company. And you just outline there, it was a strong year for this stock as it was for the broader pharma industry. And as with every pharma company, it's also, you know, very important to look at drug pricing, especially as we head into the presidential election season in the U.S. We know President Trump has made, you know, huge strides to try to uh, push down drug pricing. So this is going to be something I'm going to ask Vasnera Simon about when we sit down later on today at 810 CET. One other thing worth mentioning, of course, this week over the last two weeks or so, we've all been focusing on On coronavirus And Novartis is not in the vaccines business uh, at this stage, but will be very interesting to just get his view. I know he's done some work on the H1N1 virus, so that will be uh, a very interesting topic to definitely tune in for when we sit down uh, later on this morning. Juliana
1: also connecting up those events. And this year had potential headline risk for some of the pharmaceutical companies coming up to an election year, perhaps being battered by both sides of the aisle pushing for lower drug prices. But with the coronavirus and what has very much been in the press has been this need for innovation, coming up with a vaccine out of nowhere, coming up with an antidote. And that puts pharma companies right in the headlights, doesn't it? Because it changes the mood music a little bit. They've always said we need to spend more to innovate. We need to spend more to find cutting edge So doesn't that change the narrative just a little bit, even if you're not in the space of creating antidotes for viruses, that you need innovation in the sector?
2: Well, that is absolutely correct, and that's something that Novartis has picked up on. They have focused all their efforts under Vaznera Simmons' leadership on their innovative medicines business. And, you know, I just highlighted a couple of their innovations uh, for you there. Gene therapy, this is a hugely exciting part of the medicine industry. It effectively offers the potential to replace a lifetime of uh, treatments with one-time curative uh, uh, treatment. So there is absolutely focus here at Novartis on on innovation, but innovation comes at a price. And that's where you're seeing the high drug price tags. And they came under a lot of scrutiny for this $2.1 million price tag for this gene therapy drug. And again, very different to the antiviral drugs being worked on right now with regards to coronavirus. But it's all part of the conversation around drug pricing. If you want these pharma companies to innovate, they need to be compensated for the innovation. And that's where the high drug prices come through. But definitely a contentious topic, uh, certainly a political one as well. And with the U.S. presidential election coming up, a very, very hot uh, area to be looking at.
1: Uh, Juliana, thank you very much. Uh, We're looking forward to that conversation with Vasna as well. So we'll be sure to tune in for that. And we'll catch up with you around these results a little bit later throughout the program. Meantime, the new coronavirus has now claimed over 130 lives. Chinese officials have also recorded over 1,500 new cases since yesterday, bringing the total to nearly 6,000. That exceeds the number of people infected with the SARS virus between 2002 and 2003. Beijing is scrambling to contain the epidemic, and countries have begun evacuating their citizens from the region. Almost all deaths from the flu-like virus have happened in the Hubei province, which remains on virtual lockdown. China's President Xi Jinping met with the Director General of the WHO, the World Health Organization, in Beijing on Tuesday. The pair discussed further measures to combat the virus. Speaking to reporters, she said cooperation and effective policymaking were key to beating the virus.
0: The purpose of the government is to put the lives and health of the people at the top of all priorities. Therefore, I've been personally directing and deploying the epidemic prevention and containment work this time. I believe that as long as we strengthen our confidence, help each other, adopt scientific prevention and containment measures, and persist in precise policies, we will definitely win the battle against the outbreak.
1: From the China region to the Middle East and the Gulf area, the epidemic also continues to spread around the world. The UAE has recorded its first case, diagnosing a family from Wuhan. This after Germany confirmed the first human-to-human transmission in Europe, along with three further cases, all in the state of Bavaria. US officials say the rapid spread of the disease could see the government ultimately force American carriers to suspend flights to China, with Health Secretary Alex Azar telling reporters all options, including travel restrictions, must be on the table. Well, let's take a look at the market reaction that we are witnessing currently. Investors are very much in focus on on the peak of the selling. They're waiting to to see the numbers unfold still on the virus, with the infection rate, the fertility rate, um, the fertility rate, rather, excuse me, for that uh, just uh, showing you the markets now you've got uh, the Nikkei 225 7 in the green the Cosby 6 and you can see the bounce back also extending to the Australian market but the one out of lockstep but very obvious here the Hong Kong market which has returned to the trading session today and quickly playing catch up the drop of the extent of a 2.6 percent to the downside 700 points coming off the market China stock market still shut on the mainland, so we're not seeing that reaction concentrated there just yet. So the Hong Kong stock market very much a proxy to play what's uh, unfolding in the Chinese market. Let me take you to the US because we did see a rebound from the worst daily decline for four months on Monday. And uh, that was uh, led by uh, stocks uh, all across the board from the S&P to the NASDAQ, tech very much in focus. And of course, uh, Apple numbers coming out yesterday. So investors uh, playing that very strong theme around Apple stock yet again, a very big contributor for the likes of the Dow. And what we saw was a uh, Low number on the iPhone sales, also some decent numbers in the China market. So we saw across the border uh, a real bounce back taking place uh, in the United States. The uh, Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ got all on pace for their fifth positive month in a row still. If you put it in context, the selling that we've now witnessed around the coronavirus – and the bounce back. We are still looking stronger. Let me take you to the Treasury markets. Also, a bit of recovery on some of these yields that had pressed lower. Investors uh, had been closely eyeing that March south that we had seen. But the yield up picking up. Briefly, also worth noting in session, there was an inverted yield curve again. Investors noticed that uh, you saw this yield with a three-month counterpart to invert for the first time since about October. So just on alert from many investors uh, still about whether this was a, a signalling function for a recession session down the track but uh, investors are now seeing a recorrection back to the levels at 1.64%. The oil price uh, still some question marks about the ramifications of how long coronavirus may go on for and what that could mean for the oil markets and whether that would trigger another change to quotas and production cuts. Brent WTI is currently up about 1% so perched high morning session but gold you can see also stable 15.66 on the charts. Steve. Karen, as
0: you're very aware, we're seeing flashes by the minute about companies saying what they are doing to uh, safeguard their own employees in this. Uh, obviously, We're seeing on a state-by-state basis, we're seeing on a company-by-company basis as well. Uh, Tencent, which I just looked up um, online as of the end of 2018, had over 54,000 employees. So I assume it's more than that now. Um, they have just put out a flash saying they're extending the Lunar New Year break for mainland Chinese employees. And most of those Tencent employees are in the economic zone, I understand, around Shenzhen, uh, which is where the company is headquartered. Uh, they will no longer require those employees to work uh, in the office. In fact, um will no longer require them to work from home between the 3rd and the 9th of February. So basically just saying, take a longer break. Do not come back to work.
1: That's a response we're seeing from a number of corporates and it links to a conversation we were having yesterday about this virus. We were hearing from experts that you can be infected but not show any symptoms, which is very hard if you're trying to measure temperatures even at a a workplace. Uh, Someone may have the virus but uh, not be displaying any symptoms.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it it seems awful to compare with previous events, but this Mm. is the only way we can get a gauge on the severity Mm. of this. SARS outbreak, I'll remind our viewers, had an infection to mortality rate conversion of somewhere around 10 percent in 2003. So far, we're seeing a conversion of infection to mortality of somewhere in the region of two to three percent for the coronavirus. Now, whilst the rate of infections looks like it is accelerating, the rate of mortalities does not appear to be doing so at the moment. The real worry for the geneticists, for the pharma companies, for the doctors, for the World Health Organization, of course, for the people, especially of China, is whether this mutates genetically as, of course, uh, the World Health Authorities are racing to find some form of vaccine.
1: Yes, I was reading this morning that the Australians have grown the virus from an infected patient. So they're Mm. looking at all the scientific options. But I think it also is important still to look at the infection rate because this one is spreading quite rapidly. And if you talk about workplaces and people coming back into a work environment, if everybody goes down with coronavirus, you still have a problem on your hands in terms of staffing levels. Uh,
0: and, and dare I say it, on economic activity right. as well as obviously the devastating societal issues as well. One ray of hope, and you and I were talking about this off camera as well, is the speed of genetic research which has moved on since 2003 to 2020 is extraordinary. So unlocking the genetic code of the coronavirus can be done and is being done a lot more rapidly than the technology available and the science available in 2003. Now, that doesn't mean a vaccine can be mass produced in a short-term period of time. I mean, it could take months and months, Mm. if not the best part of a year once a vaccine has been found and done uh, suitable clinical trials on humans. But that said, things are quicker in the genetic world than they were. Can
1: I throw health tech into this? Because we've got a lot of people wearing devices and you can see immediate reactions on the body from uh, the virus. And no doubt that evidence put together in terms of coming up with a vaccine.
0: A a big worry also going forward for Apple. And that that was actually shown in their outlook, which is pretty wide given they don't know the ramifications of this. But Apple, in the meantime, has reported record revenues this quarter after seeing a comeback in iPhone demand. The tech titan beat both the top and the bottom line forecast, sending shares higher after hours. Which makes me think, Arjun, seeing as wearables, fantastic, um, devices, fantastic, SaaS going really well as well, questions about Apple TV Plus, of course. Why did they bother taking away our knowledge base with the iPhones when actually the iPhone sales have been much better than
3: perhaps even Apple thought? I think that's the that's the point there, Steve. Apple were a bit concerned themselves about how the iPhone was going to perform. And actually what we saw was this quarter, the iPhone uh, firing on all cylinders. The iPhone 11 in particular seems to have been a big hit uh, as well. You saw revenue up 8% and that is really a welcome uh, note for investors who were concerned about slowing sales of the iPhone this year, particularly as competition on that high-end segment continues to heat up with the likes of Huawei and the likes of Samsung. I mean, perhaps even the fact that Huawei's problems. Not being able to have Google on their flagship phone actually helped Apple in some senses. And of course, the iPhone continues to remain the crown jewel um, for Apple. But of course, services as well is continuing to grow very strongly up over 12 percent. That is the likes of cloud. That is the likes of Apple TV Plus, And that is a, a sector that Apple and Tim Cook continues to push. It perhaps hasn't grown as quickly as many uh, had assumed it would. But it's certainly becoming a very key sector. Of course, as you mentioned, Steve, questions over competition around Apple TV. TV+, Plus from the likes of Netflix, from the likes of Disney as well. So we'll have to see how that plays out and whether Apple can bring the content to Apple TV+, Plus that it hopes consumers will be drawn to. Just moving on to this point, because I think this has become extremely important. There were a lot of dismissive comments around Apple's other products a few years back. Oh, the Apple Watch won't be that big. But actually, what we're seeing is this segment, which includes the likes of AirPods, the likes of Apple Watch, is now a $10 billion segment for the quarter. So that is huge. It's growing uh, very strongly, and it continues to be important um point for Apple and it will be going forward. Now, I just want to come back to the point about coronavirus as well, because you mentioned there, Steve, Apple's guidance, $63 billion to $67 billion. That is wider than the guidance that Apple usually uh, gives. And that is because of the the worries about the coronavirus. And Tim Cook on the earnings call spoke about how some of the retail stores in mainland China were seeing their retail hours affected. Some of the manufacturing plants weren't uh, open because those workers were being told to stay at home. So that could possibly have a big effect in the next quarter. And also going forward as we don't know how long this is going to be around and we don't know how much of these mitigation uh, factors are going to be in play going forward. That's just one of the big risks going into the next quarter. Some of the other concerns flagged the fact that Apple still hasn't announced any plans for a 5G phone. So we'll see how big that will be. And finally, also that competition, as I mentioned in the streaming segment from the likes of Disney and Netflix. For now, guys, back to you.
1: Arjun, thank you very much. Let's push on to rival Huawei, which has been granted access to participate in the UK's 5G rollout, despite US attempts to ban the company from participating in developing the West's next generation of communication networks. The Chinese telecom giant will face some restrictions on equipment use in the more sensitive parts of the network. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson spoke to President Trump following the decision. A Downing Street statement said that the two leaders agreed cooperation between like-minded countries to diversify the telecom supply chain market. And following that UK decision, there was some more good news for Huawei as the tech giant managed to boost its smartphone market share in China last year at the expense of its rivals. A report by research house Canalis said that the Chinese company managed to increase sales by over 35 percent, while Apple's iPhone shipments decreased by 21 percent on-year. Patriotic purchases on the back of US-China trade tensions helped enhance Huawei's established dominance locally. Patriotic
0: purchase. What's the last patriotic purchase you made? I don't know if I've ever made a patriotic purchase. i something
1: green and gold. But I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, how
0: countries... So there are countries, and it's not just China. The US is a great example. France, I'm sure, is a great mm. example. Countries that make patriotic purchases. I don't think I've ever bought anything patriotic.
1: Well, I've helped the French out more than I've helped out other well, countries. Well, yeah, but, that, but that's Australian, my love. I mean, I, yeah, uh, what have you bought now. this
0: Australian that's patriotic?
1: <laughs> I think you're stuck while at the airport, but I'm not sure that counts. You have
0: not. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a daughter.
1: <laughs> Coming up on the show, double hit for LVMH as the protests in Hong Kong take a toll on sales and coronavirus fears loom. Find out how the chairman and CEO is reassuring investors after the break.
0: Well, if you're feeling patriotic to Squartbox, you probably can't get enough of uh, us in real time, let alone on our podcast. So tune into it, head to cnbc.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts to have a listen and be patriotic, support Squartbox Europe.
1: And stick around as we count you down to the market action later on this morning. The early signals are positive, suggesting we may have broken from some of that red ink on the back of the coronavirus early this week.
0: If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out The Brave Ones podcast.
1: Chasing numbers for Santander for you for the fourth quarter and also for the full year. The company posting a 35% increase in the fourth quarter net profit from a year ago. It was boosted by a solid underlying demand and a performance in the mainland market of Brazil. A fairly big slice of market share for them in that country. Also, extraordinary capital gains have been cited. Net profit of 2.78 billion euros in the quarter. The uh, capital gains that we mentioned, 711 million euros. Those were mainly related to an agreement with Credit Agricole to combine both banks' custody and asset servicing operations. So, some uh, deals helping out to the overall performance. Analysts had expected this uh, bank to uh, have a, a net profit of about 2.5 billion euros so um, the numbers at uh, 2.78 billion topping that forecast today in terms of net profit for the whole of 2019 as you cast uh, your eyes away from the fourth quarter to the full year it was down 16.6 percent to 6.5 billion euros hit by one-off charges karen
0: uh, on, i'm going to be sound like i'm being rude but i'm a compliment to you uh, you're a geek uh, I'm a geek. Thank we love, we like numbers. We like looking at numbers and crunching numbers. That makes us boring. Yeah, that's uh, story but, but but uh, I just crunched two numbers and something came up that I thought would come up. That's very, ex- I think, very interesting. Um, the price to book on Santander, which I think looks like a really respectable set of numbers. Mm. Yeah, 0.57. Mm-hmm. Price to book key measure point. Five, seven. So and then I just picked uh, a U.S. bank and I, I normally go for you know, JP Morgan, Goldman's, all the, the ones that are doing really well. I thought, no, I'll go for one that's had a kind of rubbish time. Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. <laughs> See, this is why I like you. Not only do you know me like a book, but you're also <laughs> quite geeky as well. And Wells Fargo, funnily enough, is trading at 1.14 times price to book. Now, in my geeky world, that is exactly to the second decimal double on a price to book that um, Santander is trading at. It's all
1: about margins. Isn't that extraordinary.
0: extraordinary? So one of the worst of the bunch in the US is trading double on a price to book of one of the best of the bunch. You look so poor, Bella, Charlotte. Uh, of best of the bunch, <laughs> best of the bunch in Europe, trading half, what, the worst of the bunch in the US. And that's all I would to say. You can make your own um, you comments. on the. a about- fierce
1: war playing out on the, the mortgage market here in the UK and it's all about competition. Well, we're going to talk about yeah, exactly. this later we'll in the program. Jeff's <laughs> going to be sitting down with the Santander, <laughs> Executive Chairman Anna Botton, to discuss the bank's later results. 10 o'clock, Steve. I hope you don't mind
0: me calling you a geek here. No, I, of I, course I, not. I, it's meant to be a compliment.
1: <laughs> Let's push on to something a little bit more exciting, luxury. The boss of LVMH, <laughs> Bernard Arnault, uh, says it's too early to tell or gauge the impact of the coronavirus, but admitting It could be significant if it lasts years. This after the French luxury giant saw sales slow in the fourth quarter, due to be uh due to reduced demand in China and a 40% drop in revenues in Hong Kong amid the ongoing protests. However, the owner of brands such as Louis Vuitton, Dior and Bulgari posted record top and bottom line numbers for the four year. Charlotte's been pouring through the detail of this. And Charlotte, that reference around the duration of the coronavirus, I don't think we're really talking about years. But it was a point about if this is just a short term window that we're dealing with or much longer over the course of this year.
4: Exactly. And like the, the, the CEO, Monsieur Bernard Arnault, mentioned yesterday he said a couple of months, we can ride that storm. If it's a couple of years, then things are different. And as we said, like we were discussing yesterday, a short term crisis, as we've seen, you know, the, those kind of luxury purchases can be held back and then they kind of pour in after the crisis. So they are kind of on a wait and see position. And of course, a lot of focus. This was a, re- a good set of earnings, as you said, a record set of earnings. But there is definitely a slowdown there, uh, as you can see. Uh, organic uh, Q4 revenue was eight percent, down from eleven and twelve percent in previous quarters. And all the divisions, uh, you know, leather and fashion, which is like the beast and the money-making um, a section of Louis Vuitton, driven by by the Louis Vuitton brand, of course, and Dior did well, and they went down to 15%, but that's from 20% in previous quarters. So again, here we see a slowdown in all the other sections, You know, uh, wine and liquor has gone down as well, uh, watches and jewelry also slowing down, still always positive, but slowing down from previous quarters. Um, so they're keeping an eye on the trend here, of course, and as you mentioned, and there was a Hong Kong impact. They talk about a 40% uh, sales down in Q4 in Hong Kong, and of course, it's a big market for luxury, about 21. 6% for
1: Some of these players simply shut down stores because analysts have been weighing up whether there will be a a large closure of luxury stores in Hong Kong. A thousand have been cited. I just wonder whether that is possible for these companies just to shut down some of these operations.
4: And there's issue. And and previously, in previous quarters, we saw that a lot of those luxury sales from the Chinese consumer was offset by mainland China. They kept buying in China, but of course, a widespread um, here uh, epidemic with the coronavirus potential here would have an impact mainland China and also of Travel from Chinese tourists because a lot of those Chinese tourists actually buy when they're traveling to Europe, and there could be an impact there as well. There's less travel, so of course, you know, all the attention of the investors were, what can we expect for for the coming months and for the coming weeks, and what could be the impact for Louis Vuitton? Again, very much Louis Vuitton compared to other luxury groups is actually a bit more balanced geographically, so less. Completely reliant on the Chinese consumer compared to some other brands, uh, and also you could say maybe Tiffany would give give them a hedge because they're completing the acquisition by twenty twenty with a big footstep, you know, a big a big um, a footprint in the US. So that would give them potentially a hedge if there's a big slowdown in Chinese consumer and a standard turnaround.
1: So we keep an eye on that.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to CNBC.com.